0: It's so good to be back. This is my third time here at Mission Viejo, but some of you might not know me, so let me give you a quick little rundown of who I am. I, I teach at the chapel in Irvine on a regular basis. I am married. I have a blended family of five children, 34 to 23, and we have six blended grandchildren, 19 to 1. And so we're so blended, we call ourselves the smoothie family. Anyway, so I'm, I'm just glad to be here. I just wanted you to know a little bit about me. Oh yes, and I'm Puerto Rican. And once in a while, I say funny things or pronounce things funny. English is not my first language, so give me a break, all right? <laughs> so we're starting, continuing on the series, uh, the art of relationships. And one of the things that we need in order for relationships to flourish, and to go deep, and to remain strong, is respect. And so today we're going to talk about respect. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know. It's not all that exciting of a subject, is it? Respect. right? We, we know respect is important, uh, you know, but we don't necessarily want to talk about it. But I do think today you're going to find it to be a really, really good topic to talk about. Uh, and to tee it off in sort of in a good mood because, you know, I already I, some of you are going, I braved through the rain for a topic on respect? Seriously? I could have slept in. But, but I want you to kind of have a good mood about this, all right? So I wonder... Can you name this tune? Hit it, Caleb. You know it. What's the the song? I'm not watching you dancing. Come on, that was a good song. Thank you, Caleb. This song was extremely popular in the late '60s, somewhere back there when I was born, and um, it it was popular. It's still popular to this day because it's talking about something that we all care about: respect. Right? And you know, we we all are in for respect Uh, our sense for respect is that um, we give respect to those who earn it right someone has to show that they deserve respect that they are kind honest a good listener Uh, they have good character maybe they've reached a certain position right in society and therefore we're willing to give respect to those who earn it do you agree with that but what if we are not supposed to give respect just because people earn it. What if respect is something everyone deserves because God gives us respect? What if respect is to be viewed differently than what our culture tells us? I think that's what we're going to find out today. Um, and I, I want you to understand why I felt it was so important to talk about respect as part of this series. Is because it isn't just that the Bible tells us, although that's the most important reason, right, to talk about respect but we know it intuitively, and science has actually studied the importance of respect as far as how it affects a relationship. UC Davis did a study recently about the importance of respect in relationship, and this is what they found. Respect is an important determinant in relationship quality. Respect contributes uniquely to the prediction of relationship satisfaction. A good relationship is quite often measured by respect, even if we don't necessarily think of it that way. And so it's important to have respect, but we're going to see as the scripture tells us that respect is to be given not to some, but to all. In fact, we're going to see three things today. I have three points to make. One of them is that the word of God commands that we respect others. And I'm going to show you a variety of ways in which the word does this. I'm going to show you how the Word of God tells us that respect is very important in our relationships, and I'm going to show you that respect is actually really, really good for us, good for you, good for me. Those are the three things we're going to cover today. We're going to start in 1 Peter chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, go if you would to 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to see the command. This is from Peter, and uh, if you are um, not familiar with the Bible, you know I was... I did not become a believer until I was 40 years old, and I came to church, you know, maybe sitting like you, and, you know, people were talking about various people in the Bible. I didn't know Peter from Paul, right? So I'm not going to assume anything, uh, but let me tell you a little bit about, about who Peter was. Peter was one of the 12 apostles who was with Jesus during his ministry, and he wasn't just one of the 12, he was one of the three of the 12 that were very close friends to Jesus. He was a kind of an impulsive kind of guy. He would sort of spurt his mouth out kind of quickly, ask questions quickly. And um, but he was he gave his life and even his death for Jesus. And he teaches us about respect in this chapter. Verse 16. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Now, uh, verse 17, I want us to read this together. Okay. Show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honor the emperor. Show proper respect to everyone. I know you're having a hard time saying that. I know. I understand. Everyone. But before that, in verse 16, he says, live as free people. We all like freedom, don't we? We all like freedom. And in Christ, we have a new freedom, and that's what he's referring to. You are now Christ followers. You have a new freedom, but freedom without boundaries is really not freedom. So to give you a simple illustration, uh, well, you can tell by the number of children I have and grandchildren that I'm not exactly all that young. I'm like 52. Uh, and at this age, things start to like break down, you know what I mean? All those in the 50s, right? Don't be like, wow, what's happened? And our bodies aren't quite as as vibrant. And if we just ate whatever we wanted, our bodies are going to break down. Like for me, I love (laughs) In-N-Out. I love burgers. I love fries. Fries, for sure. Fries are number one. And I love brownies. And I make brownies with the help of Betty Crocker, and they are good. (laughs) And if I had In-N-Out and brownies as often as I feel like having them, and it's quite often, I would definitely look different, wouldn't I? And I wouldn't be quite so healthy as I might feel right now. The point is, freedom without some boundaries is not really freedom. But if I give myself boundaries, okay, you can have in and out once or twice a month. You can have brownies here and there. I actually then have more freedom to do the things I want to do. And so Peter is saying, (coughs) you have freedom. Live in that freedom. But understand that that freedom has boundaries So that you can live truly in that freedom. And so what he's telling us, he gives us four statements. He puts it in two clauses. It says, respect everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Respect everyone. Love the family of believers. You know, we can love each other as fellow Christians. And if you read 1 Corinthians 13, you know that love is much more than nice little feelings for each other. It's an act of, of faithfulness. But he's saying, respect everyone, meaning respect everyone even if they don't believe what you believe. Respect everyone if you, even if you absolutely strongly disagree with them. Respect everyone with no qualifications, no prerequisites, no agendas. Simply respect everyone. I know that's hard for us. I know that our, our tendency is to say, wait, wait, really? But this is consistent with Paul, another one of the apostles and the early church builders. This is what he says in Philippians 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to each of you to the interests of others. And in Romans 12, he writes this, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Both Peter and Paul state the command that we are to respect everyone in an absolute kind of matter, not subject to any kind of requirements. How many of us want respect? Anybody want respect? If you look around, we all want respect. We all want respect. So, Paul is saying there is a reason why we ought to give each other respect. And throughout scripture, I'm going to just run real quickly through several chapters in the Bible that tell us why respect matters. The most foundational of all is the reason and the way in which we were created as human beings. So it starts at the beginning in Genesis. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 says this. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God he created them, male and female, he created them. Whether you're rich, poor, white, American, immigrant, Republican, Democratic, whether you're for Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton or any of the other people, it's irrelevant. Whether we disagree with each other or not, every single person is made In the image of God. When we show that level of respect, that basic foundational level of respect to another person, who are we really showing respect for? God. We respect God. We respect his creation. And then we see that in Exodus, we're given the Ten Commandments. Now, again, I'm not going to assume that you know the Ten Commandments. Most of us don't. But they're in two places. They're in Exodus chapter 20 and in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And we're given 10 commandments. And oh, these are fascinating, really. We could give a whole art or relationship series just on the 10 commandments. Because here's how they are written. Four commandments of the 10 are all about honoring, respecting God. If you look at the, the first four commandments, that we are to not, we are to have only one God that we are not to worship other idols, that we're not to misuse his name. All of this is about respecting God. And then we're given this sort of reminder. Remember the Sabbath rest because guess what's coming? All the other commandments are about respecting each other. And it starts with this one in verse 20, uh, chapter 20, verse 12 of Exodus. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you honor your father and mother respect starts at home and how we honor our parents now does not mean that your parent is perfect does not mean that but simply because of who they are we are to honor them it's so important to god it's the only command with the promise and it's so important he puts it before the other commandments Four other commandments that now have to do with respecting each other. If we have no respect for God, we will not have respect for any other life. Because what is the next commandment? You shall not murder. And then it goes on to all the other commandments against adultery, against lying, against um, giving false testimony, against coveting that which belongs to someone else. You notice all of those commandments are rooted in the importance... Of respect. A lack of respect leads to violence. When you think about it, most of the things in this world, most of the evil that happens in this world, happens because there's a lack of respect for the foundational value and dignity of life. Wouldn't you agree with that? And that's what those commandments are all about. Respect is most important. I'm sorry about the little noise this thing is making. <laughs> Then in Ephesians, and I gave you in your outline extra credit reading just in case I didn't convince you. I'll let the word of God do that. We're given commandments about respect within the context of marriage. Paul tells us in Ephesians 5.21 that we are to submit to one another not because the other person is amazing and perfect in every way. But out of reverence for Christ because we respect our Lord above or else. And then Paul says, husbands. Love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. But did you know that Peter in 1 Peter says, husbands, respect your wives. And then later he says, love one another. In other words, wives, love your husbands. They both matter. Without love, we react without respect. Without respect, we react without love. Okay, I think you get the point, right? Respect is a command, and it matters to God. Are you with me so far? All right, I've found that enough. So now I wonder, who in your life do you struggle to respect? Is there a person that comes to mind, you go, you know, I get it, it's a command, but come command Inez, you don't know this person. You don't know what they've done to me. You're asking too much. And if you struggle to respect someone, is it fair to say that that relationship is in trouble? For those of you who thought of someone, is that relationship in trouble? I'm I'm actually really asking. Right. the relationship is in trouble because this very foundational need is, is not met. And I, I know you're probably wondering, why should I try? Why should I be one, the one taking a step forward, even if that person isn't willing to do or change at all? And it's because as we have just learned, that person, or maybe for you it was more than one person, that person is made in the image of God. There's at least some level of respect that we ought to give them. And then we're going to see point number two. It's important because it's good for our relationship. Not just that relationship, by the way, because if you're struggling to respect a person or a group of people, you're actually it's going to affect your other relationships, whether you like it or not, whether you realize it or not. Because it changes the way we interact with others when we can somehow say some are worth respecting and some are not. The opposite of respect, the most extreme disrespect is contempt. And quite often we might peg one or two people in our lives either for a moment, a split moment, or for a lifetime in that area of content. And contempt is murder. It's murder to a relationship. I I don't know if you know Dr. John Gottman. He's a psychologist. I love it when science catches up with scripture. So good. Dr. Gottman has observed thousands of couples interacting with each other. And in this interaction, he saw something, some things, actually, that are extremely damaging to a relationship. He calls them the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Now, it's really cool because Dr. Gottman is a Jewish man, but he's reading Revelation, so yeah, maybe. He says there are four things that are absolutely destructive to a marriage, and he sees marriages that fall apart when these things are in place. I wonder if some of these are familiar to you. Criticism defensiveness, stonewalling, in other words, just shutting down, and contempt. He says that the worst of all the four horsemen, the number one, number one killer of all is the pale horse of contempt. It's the number one predictor of divorce. He has been able to watch people for just a few minutes and predict with incredible, shocking accuracy who will end up in a divorce. That's pretty scary, isn't it? And this is what he qualifies as contempt. Sarcasm, cynicism, name-calling, roll, eye-rolling, sneering, mockery. Ay, caramba, I do these things. <laughs> Hostile humor, that joke that we think was so funny and the other person's rolling on the ground because we just blasted them. An anger that fuels hostile words and feelings towards another person. That's contempt. When we communicate with contempt, we are are our meanest. I think we know that, don't we? And a big surprise. Contempt actually affects our physical well-being. It actually makes us sick when we experience contempt. Dr. Gottman uh, saw this. I want to show you just for one minute. We're going to watch CNN in church. One minute. Okay, chill out for a second. We're going to hear Dr. Gottman explain a little bit of what he has found. So check this out. Eight. I didn't know this. I mean, when I, I studying this and learning this information has been has caused my husband and I to have some good conversations. Because, you know, the reality is contempt is damaging, very, very damaging. And Dr. Gottman has observed this to be true as a scientist. But do you know that Jesus taught about this himself in the Sermon on the Mount? In the Sermon of the Mount, in, in Matthew chapter 5, he says, explaining murder, you shall not murder, the commandment we talked about earlier, and he's expanding it to anger, a type of anger, essentially contempt. Look at his words. He says, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, is answerable to the court, and anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of fire, the fire of hell. Now, this completely loses its effect when we're reading it in English. This word raka, you and I have no clue what it means. Now, mind you, this is Jesus giving a sermon. And in the middle of the sermon, he uses a four-letter word. You know what I'm saying? Now, imagine if I said a four-letter word to make the point with my sermon today. Most of you going, Oh, she said that in charge. That's what Jesus did. Jesus uses a profane word, a word in the first century that's equivalent to some of our more colorful words today to make a point. This word raka is actually in Aramaic, which would have been like the word of the street. You know what I'm saying? This was just a nasty word that people would say to each other to to essentially cut down the other person to say you are worthless, you're a fool, you're empty, you have no value. You know, the meaning of respect in scripture is to esteem, to give value, to give weight. When we use contempt, we take value away. We minimize, we destroy esteem. And Jesus is saying that is equivalent to murder. I didn't know that. You know... In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, in your anger, do not sin. In other words, don't go to contempt. James tells us in chapter 1, be slow to become angry because our anger eventually reaches contempt. And in contempt, we engage the same emotion, the same strength and passion of essentially our own brokenness, the evil in us, that is the same emotion that one would use to murder someone else. You know, my husband and I have been married 13 years, and I, I used to think I was proud of myself that I only use the four-letter word when I stub my toe, or once a year when one of our arguments got out of control. And I thought that's not so bad, but you know, 13 years—it's at least 13 times I have said horrible things to my husband. And that's damaging to a marriage. I, I, this is not my first marriage. I now understand why my other marriages failed and see I want a different picture I have children and grandchildren and now people like you that now know my story and you can see the brokenness of my story you know my failures but I want my children and my grandchildren to see the victory the can we won when we put Jesus Christ at the center of our marriage and we respect him more so that we can respect each other. Right? Some of you are with me on this. Respect is commanded. Respect is good for our marriage. And respect is good for us. You see, for that I want us to look at a story in the Bible. I don't know if you know the story of Paul and Barnabas who went into a deep disagreement. Because here's the thing. When we disagree with someone, when when we are in a struggle with someone, that's usually when contempt comes in. But I want us to see an example of a time where there can be disagreement without contempt. And so we're going to look at a story. And Barnabas was a man who early in the church history, a Jewish man, a Levite, Sold a plot of land and gave it to the church and said, use this to care for the poor. Now, in the first century, selling a property, a Jewish man selling a property was really practically unheard of because you didn't do that. You passed your property to the next generation and the next generation. So here he does something remarkable. He sells his property, gives it to the church. His name originally was Joseph and they named him Barnabas, son of encouragement. Because he did something amazing for the church. He now becomes one that teaches and is is increasing the, the churches by teaching and by ministering to others. And he's sent to Antioch, a church that is growing in huge numbers. And while he's there, he calls Paul to join him in this work. And the two of them work together for a time. And they are like the dynamic duo, you know. They are doing great. Well, they get called back to Jerusalem because there's a bit of a challenge Uh, the Gentiles the non-Jews are becoming believers and the big question is should the man be circumcised and so the council gets together they decide no Jesus now is a different way there's a new covenant men no longer need to be circumcised so Barnabas and Paul go back to the churches encourage them that this is no longer something they need to do and to that all the men were like So Paul and Barnabas are ready to go and bring this good news to the churches. And we're going to pick up the story right when they go to do so in uh, Acts chapter 15. This is what happens. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. They had a sharp disagreement i want to make something really clear before we get deeper into this i'm using the example of barnabas and paul as far as the disagreement and they separate i am in no way in no way listen to me in no way whatsoever if your person that you thought of was your spouse and no way i am saying separation or divorce is the good way okay are we clear on that i've been there done that Mm. Not the not the resolve. These are two men who disagree with each other, and the strategies that they use can work even in our relationships and marriage. First, they deal with each other. There is a challenge. They talk to each other. They don't talk to someone else. How many times do we talk to someone else about that person and not to the person directly? Yeah, yeah, right. Well, guilty. Uh, the other one, they they have a disagreement, but they don't let that alienate from each other. They remain friends. We see that throughout scripture. Paul and Barnabas still respected each other after this disagreement. They look for a resolution. Now, in this case, they chose to separate. John Mark was Barnabas' cousin. Maybe John Mark obviously did something that really upset Paul. He left them in in some situation. And Paul is saying, hey, you're being too soft on John Mark. I want this guy. I don't want him around. You You can have him. So Barnabas goes off with John Mark. Paul finds himself a new person to go with. They separate. That's how they solve the solution. But here's why. Both of them had the mission as the highest priority. The mission was not for Paul and Barnabas to be together all the time. The mission was to go and encourage the churches. The mission between my husband and I is our marriage. Sometimes we may have to separate Go to different rooms, go for a walk, because our anger has gotten a bit out of control. But our mission is to be together as a husband and a wife, so we have to find a solution that accomplishes that mission. Are you with me? They chose something that fixed the mission. Now, you know, a simple, simple example. Um, You are with a friend, and you want to have lunch together. You feel like having Chinese food. Your friend wants to have Mexican. You don't like Mexican food. How are you going to solve that? Food cart. The goal is to eat together, right? Find a place where there's a Mexican restaurant and a Chinese restaurant close by. Meet in the middle. There is always a way is the point. If we try hard enough, if we are focused on the mission, we can find a way to resolve the problem. And sometimes we might not be able to resolve it just on our own. We might need someone to come in and help us resolve it. We might need a counselor, we might need a friend, we might need time, and we for sure might need a lot of prayer, but there is a way. We just have to look for it. And and the other thing they didn't do, they didn't seek to make the other person, make themselves right and make the other person wrong. Oh, I am definitely very, very guilty of this. I mean, I could have been a lawyer. My husband says I get so much smarter when we get into an argument. I'm like sharper. I mean, I'm like spitting out words. You know, the fast Puerto Rican thing comes out. And he's like, I just get dumber. I don't know what to say. Because I want to be right. And he wants to be right. And that never works. Because in that attempt, we end up in contempt. Somewhere in there, we feel cornered. And out comes the anger. And out comes those not-so-good words. Right? That's what happens. The beauty of this story is that both Barnabas and Paul learn from their disagreement. I think we can do the same. We can learn from what is it about that other person that's hurting us so much. Sometimes maybe there's a, another pain way back when that that person is re-emerging for, for us. We can learn. You see, Paul learned because you see as, as we read the scriptures, Paul's journeys and Paul's letters, he treats Titus and Timothy much kinder than he treated John Mark. I think he started to realize, maybe I'm a little hard on these guys, you know? Not everybody is as you know, willing as I am to go and get beat a bunch of times and go back at it again. It makes sense this guy got a little scared and ran, you know? He was a little more, he was nicer to the other gentleman. And Barnabas learned. Maybe Barnabas thought, you know, John Mark, we got to toughen you up a little bit. This is hard work. We're, we're working for the Lord, and we're going to be persecuted. You need to hang in there, because we see John Mark eventually called Mark the man who wrote... The gospel according to mark peter talked about mark with great words of encouragement and later in paul's life as he gets older he even talks about mark in great ways look what he says in first timothy only luke is with me get mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry paul at one time looking at john mark with contempt now looks at john mark with respect And so we can see this is a wonderful story for us to learn how to deal with our times of disagreement. Disagreement is not a reason to let go of respect. Now, how many of us struggle to respect everyone? I mean, I think so far I've convinced you that respect is good. But I don't know that I've convinced you that it's good that we should respect everyone. Everyone, it's hard, isn't it? That's a big ask. it's important because it's good for us you see when we think that someone else has to earn respect you know what we're saying we have to earn respect now it's true there are things we can do to get more respect but when we say someone is worth zero respect it means it's possible that we are possibly worth zero respect from someone else you know what that does that is minimizing our identity our image of God, our sonship to Christ. When, we, when we're told in scripture, we are children of God, and we say we somehow have to earn respect, we have forgotten that God gave us the ultimate of respect. He saw us, he gave us enough weight, enough value, that he gave his one and only son, so that we could live the life that his son, his perfect son, deserves. And he died the shameful death we deserve. That's a level of respect that God has given you and I. That we forget when we think we have to somehow earn it. And others have to earn it. You see why respect is good for us. When we make respect an important thing, we are also showing respect for ourselves. Respect for the image of God in us. Respect that we are children of God. And so you see, it starts with each and every one of us. We get to be the first ones to take a step. Now, I, I know it's hard, especially with that person. So here's the simplest way you can take one baby step. It's just You know, Aretha Franklin was right. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. One baby step. Get off contempt. Just make a commitment, set a boundary that contempt is not going to be part of your relationships. That when you feel that, you pray. You ask God. You give it to God. Whatever you need to do so that you can at least get off contempt. Already, you're in respect. A little bit. You can ask God, help me see this person the way that you see them. They're made in the image of God. One other step. You can say, if this is your parent. Listen, I grew up without a father. He left when I was a baby. And I used to say, I don't have a father. I don't know what you're talking about. I just have a mom. Well, that was disrespect. I didn't just show up here because my mom was the virgin and the Holy Spirit. You know I'm saying? I have a father. At minimum, I have to acknowledge he was my father. That's one baby step towards respect. You see, we can take a baby step. We as believers... We who bear the image of God and know that, we who know we are children of God, though we do not deserve it, know that every person deserves respect. And so as Jesus calls us in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What if? What if you and I, made respect a priority? What if, think back of that relationship with that person. What if you took baby steps, just even on your own, to see that person with some level of value and respect? What would be different if you do that? Let me pray for us. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your commands. None of us really like rules, but I think we've learned this morning how your command is actually a loving, loving way that you show us what's good for us. Thank you, Father, that for us to have meaningful and valuable relationships with you or for others, you have reminded us today we have to have respect. We have to value in esteem, give weight to every single person, even those who get on our nerves. Father, we praise you this morning. I know you're going to do a mighty work in the hearts of each person here today. You are meeting them exactly where they are, in the pain that this perhaps has surfaced. Bring comfort, Father. Give people a way out of a situation. Help them see the greater mission. If that's what they need, so they can take steps towards your goodness. Father, thank you for the ultimate respect you have showed each and every one of us by giving us your son, that we might live in freedom. We're so grateful for that. We praise you. We honor you this morning in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's worship.